Welcome, podcast listeners, to Roll Radio, where each week we listen in as aspiring adventurers play the world's greatest role-playing game, Dungeons and Dragons. Join us as we travel to far-off Faerun, where we discover the Sword Coast in turmoil and in desperate need of heroes. Last week on Roll Radio... Elric and his tutors, Esmir and Jake, left the comfortable life of nobility to begin their uncomfortable life as adventurers. Together they ventured west and discovered firsthand the rumored troubles plaguing the tradeway. Monstrous creatures ransacking homes and villages. Hard-working farmers, now refugees, fearing for their very lives. Our heroes answered the call and leapt into action, aiding the weary, crashing parties, and implementing their enhanced interrogation techniques. But who are these goblin bosses called the Red Wizards? What is the purpose of these dastardly deeds? Will our heroes make it to Daggerford? Or have they crashed their last party? Who knows? Let's find out in this week's episode of Scourge of the Sword Coast. So it's the morning after your encounter with the goblins at the farmstead, and you guys made it back safely and spent the night with the caravan. And after breakfast, you begin to pack up and continue your journey to Daggerford. And as you're breaking down camp, you and your caravan react as you hear the sound of a galloping horse approach your camp. And you turn towards the sound and you see a horse and rider quickly approaching. And as they get closer, you immediately recognize the rider. It is Cullen McGregor, and you all know him for several reasons. First, he is the son of Lord Albion's close friend and war buddy, Lord McGregor. And Cullen was sent to Ravensholm as a ward when he was just 13 years old. So he has been friends with Elric since he came to Ravensholm. They are close in age and have been constantly getting into mischief there since they were young. And Jake and Esmir, you have also tutored Cullen since his arrival to Raven's home. We tried. (laughs) So you are all quite familiar with Cullen, and as he approaches, he slows down and begins scanning the caravan as if looking for something. Over here, hello. Hello, Cullen, my friend. Over here. (laughs) I uh, ride my horse over to who I assume are very familiar figures to me, although they're probably not wearing like full regalia traveling incognito Mm -hmm. but uh i ride over i dismount with a flourish and i say i have been riding hard to catch up to you i will return from my brief visit to my father to discover that you had departed and i will not be left out of adventure so how did you find out oh well i returned to the castle and um spoke to lord abian and uh he didn't want to take responsibility for sending me with you because he did he didn't want to, you know, his war buddy to, you know, lose a son on his watch. So I 
took my horse and decided I would come any despite his his uh concerns. And that's and what I him, like about this kid. I would take I would take responsibility <laughs> for myself. That and I swore an oath to Elric that if he were ever in need of aid, I would render it. My sword belongs to you. Oh, you guys are oh, cute. Nice. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Okay, now don't do stupid stuff at the same time, okay? <laughs> take turns. <laughs> we'll take turns doing stupid stuff. Did you bring your skivvies? <laughs> Apparently well, that's one important. Pair. <laughs> one pair. One pair. Mm. Mm. People are going to go after some skivvy shopping. <laughs> uh, Eric, do you want to do a short uh, description of who you are, your character, and uh, give us a little idea of what you look like? All right. So I'm Eric, and I'm playing. Cullen McGregor. I am a third, uh, a fighter, noble, human variant. He's an impetuous youth. He's, you know, relatively tall, but not super tall. Dark hair, green eyes. Basically, he went to uh, learn uh, his skills in battle and combat as a fighter and at Lord Albion's Keith and so he you know he obviously learned his letters and his numbers uh from the, you know the, the tutors but uh not not the not the smartest guy when it comes to you know book learning but pretty good with uh pretty handy in, in combat and what is your uh weapon or weapons of choice oh uh, yeah so my weapons of choice are two long swords as i have focused on the dual wielding um, I have uh, chain mail, so I'm not particularly stealthy, although I hope to improve upon that. If I can get some money together. All right, very cool, awesome. Colin has joined the party, and you guys saddle up, and with your ragtag group of refugees, continue up the tradeway towards Daggerford. After several more days of travel, you crest a hill and you immediately see below a river that sparkles in the sunlight. And you know that this shining river is the Delambier River. And right on its northern bank sits your destination, Daggerford. And you can see or hear many in the caravan let out a collective sigh of relief, happy to have made their long-awaited sanctuary. And you see some hug each other as they say, thank the gods, we've made it. Don't thank the gods. Thank us. Thank your protectors. Thank us and thank, thank you. yourself. Yes. Hopefully now you'll have a chance to rest your weary feet from such long travels. Yeah, I hope nothing bad happens. <laughs> <laughs> and they start to make their way, their, their, uh, their dreary, uh, uh, feet and pace kind of quicken as they start their make their way uh, to Daggerford um, towards Sanctuary. And you begin your approach and you see that Daggerford is a walled town surrounded by a moat. And approaching Daggerford from the south, you cross, uh, you have to cross the river and you cross via a stone bridge. And as you begin your crossing, you read a plaque that says, Tyndall Bridge, 
And as you're crossing the bridge, everyone give me a perception roll. Natural 20. Nice. Got a 25. Great first roll. Hopefully we attack things soon. (laughs) (laughs) Jake's all jacked up. What were you drinking this morning, Jake? What was in your coffee? Jake juice. Jake Jake juice. juice. Oh, uh, I don't want to know about Jake juice. I remember that from the uh, castle. He was always sneaking off for a quick nip. All right. So, Jake, <laughs> you notice with a roll of 25 <laughs> that besides some fishermen on the banks, there seems to be no traffic on the river. And that seems uh, strange to you because you've read somewhere that despite its small size, Daggerford is an important hub for trade. It's, after all, right on the tradeway in between two of the largest cities on the Sword Coast, Waterdeep and Baldur's Gate. And much of that trade comes down the river from the east. So you find it strange that the river is so empty of this important traffic and trade. I do find this strange. And so I uh, convey my suspicions to my friends. Hmm. I wonder what's afoot. There's nothing worse than quiet. Nothing worse than quiet. After you cross the bridge, you turn off the tradeway and head east to Daggerford. And getting close, you take notice of the thick walls of Daggerford. They are 20 feet tall with a battlement walkway behind crenellations. And there are towers that stand another 10 feet taller than the walls and have bartizans on their outer corners. And you can see that there are guards positioned along the walls and in the bartizans. And as you approach the southern gate of Daggerford, you enter a muddy field that is filled with wagons and tents. And you immediately recognize this as Daggerford's caravan grounds, for Albion has something similar outside its walls. While caravan masters stay at the inns within the walls and do trade in the marketplace, and take care of their business, their wagon drivers and guards camp in the field outside the city walls. So this is pretty common, nothing strange. So like a, it's like a Grateful Dead parking lot kind of thing? Exactly. It's parking making, lot. There's people making grilled there. cheese. <laughs> grilled cheese. Veggie burritos and stuff. <laughs> Nitrous oxide balloons. Icy cold Jaeger. But what you immediately notice is that these caravan grounds are packed with what you can tell are other refugees camping outside the town. You see wagons and carts that are parked among tents and other improvised shelters. And draft animals and haggard folk are in this ramshackle camp. So definitely looks like a Grateful Dead concert now. So as you make your way through this crowded field to the southern gate, you see a stone bridge that crosses the moat that surrounds Daggerford. On the other side of the bridge are huge 20-foot wide by 16-foot tall iron-bound doors. And these doors are open and are filled with people looking out onto the caravan grounds, right? So from inside the town, they're looking out onto the bridge. And gathered on the other side of the bridge is a large group of shouting people. And you get the feeling 
that these shouting folks are refugees. And standing on the bridge in between these two groups of people are six leather-clad, crossbow-armed guards. Mm -hmm. We, I approach the gate and I see what the commotion is all about. Okay. So as you get closer, you see a young human man near the front of the crowd and he's yelling, my wife is with child. She needs real shelter and some help for the love of gods. And there you see next to him, a wide-eyed pregnant woman wringing her hands. And at this point, you notice a female human in the center of these crossbow-wielding soldiers. And she has short brown hair and green eyes, and she wears studded leather and leans on a spear. And she's holding her helmet under her left arm, uh, to which a buckler is strapped. And there's people shouting. They're like agreeing with this, uh, this young man who's yelling at them. They're like, yeah, let us in. Why won't you let us in? And the female soldier looks contrite and speaks, the Duke has decreed that no more refugees can enter the town. The militia enforces the Duke's will in this. No exceptions, I'm sorry. Well, I'm I'd like to ask. approach and um, come up alongside of the couple with the pregnant woman. Okay, so as you come up and you come up to this couple there and uh, you hear another voice and uh, it says, mustn't you at least admit those in real need, Sherlin? They've come here for help. Someone could die. And you look down and you see where the voice is coming from. And it's coming, the pleading is coming from a blonde-haired, well-dressed halfling standing just in front of the crowd. And he wears a fine azure cloak with a brooch that looks like an oversized coin with a female's face on it. And then the soldier, the female soldier with the spear, replies, no exceptions, Koran. And then the crowd starts to get even more upset. So I want to yell out, we have a woman with child. Surely you must allow her entrance for her own personal safety and for the good of mankind. <laughs> You're here. Wow. I agree. That's, we should listen to the, the halfling. Um, I'm going to ask somebody else that's by me. Okay. What the heck's going on over here? What's going on? Okay, so next to you is this haggard-looking commoner, and you pull on his cloak, and he looks down at you, and you're like, what's going on here? And he scowls and says, they're telling us that Daggerford has no more room for us refugees. But we've heard that the real reason is because something important to the Duke was stolen. Hmm. Something called a bloke or something, and, he, and he's closing off Daggerford until it's found. And we can't get in. So are That's, we are okay. are we close together, so that I can God. hear that as well? Or sure, I I talk what to would the it... thing. I say to him, I agree with you. Why will she not listen? Well, the halfling looks up at you and tells you that Daggerford is jam packed with refugees. There's barely any more room for any more refugees. All the inns are full, the houses are full, anyone that has a spare bed or closet is full. 
The only place left with room is the Shining River Tavern, which is an expensive joint. So if you want a place to stay, you got to have the gold to stay there. And how much is okay. that? Well, it's two gold pieces per person, per night. Ah. Uh, we can afford that. Certainly, well, we then, can front uh, that. I yeah. would like to usher these people to, who do we pay? Hold on a second. Can I, yes. can I give the halfling guy the old up and down? What are, you, are you trying to roll insight to see if? Yes. Okay. Ooh, that's so smart. Mm. Okay, nice. So, Esmir, you rolled an 18 on your insight check, and you get the feeling that this halfling is genuinely concerned about what's going on here and the plight of the refugees. Okay. And what's what's with the brooch that he's wearing? Do I recognize that? Um, You can roll me a... Uh, you can roll me a history or religion. History. Oh, let me roll. Ten. Okay. Plus five is fifteen. Oh boy, this Colin. Bode well. Not, Colin's not very insightful today. It's not bode well. I have a. I, have I got a nineteen. History. Maybe you need some of that coffee. Some Jake juice. Oh. Jake juice. Jake I'm juice. telling you, Jake juice works. <laughs> Well, Jake Juice worked again because you rolled a 19 and you immediately <laughs> recognize that uh, that brooch that he's wearing is the symbol of the goddess Tamora, Lady Luck. Ah, uh, that, that goddess. Okay. <laughs> Lady Luck. Uh, Lady well, I'm going to bite my tongue and I'm not going to make any comments about gods of luck. <laughs> I approach the couple and I say... Here, I'll vouch for you and make sure that you can afford at least one night at the Shining River Tavern if you will accept. And they look at you wide-eyed and they're like, thank you, sir. Thank you, kind sir. Yes, my my wife needs to get inside and some real shelter so that we can have our baby. Thank you so much. And I approach Sherlin. Excuse me, madam. You appear to be in charge here. And she turns to you and looks at you like someone who's been working at the at the DMV all day. And she's like, yes, I'm in charge. What do you want? Well, I'd like to vouch for this couple. I can help them pay for a night at the Shining River Tavern if that will satisfy you. So she says to you, she says, uh, let me see the gold. Let me see. I want to make sure everyone has enough money to stay where they say they're going to stay and they're not just going to go in there and take up space. Well, I, I guess I take my purse out, open it up, and take out like four gold pieces and hold them out in my hand. Okay. Yeah. I'll do the same. There's yeah. more in here. Let's you can see, trust me. Gold. Okay. So Cullen, roll me a persuasion check. Okay, so nice. You rolled a 13 on your persuasion there, and that seems to have done the trick. Uh, she's looking you and your companions over, and she can see, you know, that you're not refugees. You have horses, you look of fine noble birth, and you have decent armor and weapons. And she's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. Just go on in, leave me alone, just, just go. But as you guys start to make you, your way towards the gate, uh, refugees start to move towards the guards and they start shouting, Hey, what about us? 
And then you hear someone else in the crowd, my daughter is ill. And then you hear someone else in the crowd, we're starving. And a few start to pick up rocks. And the halfling, Koran, starts to go, whoa, 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 please, everyone, calm down. We can, we can figure this out in a calm way, please, no. And then Sherlin puts on her helmet and she starts to warn the refugees. Back off. We don't want this to get out of hand. And Jake, as you're making your way up to the gate, you notice a male human guard seems terrified. His eyes dart around wildly and beads of sweat drip from his forehead. And you notice his hand twitching on his crossbow trigger. Okay. Only Jake sees that, correct? Only Jake sees that. I want to move this couple away from the danger, but at the same time, are, are they on a platform of any kind or are they uh, above the crowd? What is, where are they standing? So they're standing on the stone bridge that leads to the city, right? So they're kind of like forming a line across the bridge to prevent the refugees from getting in the city, kind of like riot police all in a line there. And um, you're starting to make your way towards that line. They're going to like kind of let you through. And as they're doing that, this is when you notice this. Okay. Um, I would like to cast Thaumaturgy to see if I could somehow make the ground rumble to make him whatever he's doing. To distract him? To distract him from firing a bolt or to at least misguide his aim. Okay. So um, you cast your thaumaturgy and the ground starts to rumble and... So as I cast thaumaturgy and that ground starts to rumble, I want to grab this couple and start to try to rush them toward the gate to get them out of the harm's way. Okay. So as you guys are starting to make your way through this line of guards, the ground starts to rumble and the rest of you immediately recognize it as one of Jake's spells. But then suddenly, one of the guards lets out a panicked scream, ah, and then lets loose his crossbow bolt into the crowd of refugees. The bolt sticks into someone in the crowd and they fall to the ground. And then the entire crowd starts to panic and flee. Oh my God. Mm, it's getting ugly. Um. I wanna continue rushing these people toward the gate and look back and say, follow me to my friend. Okay, as you do that, this guard drops his crossbow and grabs his spear. He then lets out a scream as if he is terrified and he rushes into the panicking crowd. Roll initiative. All right, so this guard rushes into the panicking stampede and a refugee falls in the chaos. And this guard uh, runs up to them screaming, ah, and he tries to stab, stab them with his spear. And rolls a 13 and hits and just stabs a refugee on the ground. Oh my God. All right, Elric, you are first in initiative order. All right. You see all this unfolding before your eyes. What do you do? Okay, I'm going to close with the guard. 
Okay. Can I attack him? You can. No, you can always use your attack as a to knock out damage and not to kill damage. Well, yeah, that's what I plan on doing. I plan on using the butt end of my blade. Okay. Which is just a bonus action, the bludgeoning. All right, so a 13 hits. All right. So let me uh, roll damage. Okay, six points of damage. So you rush in there and take the back end of your glaive and whack him in the back of the head before he can stab anyone else. And you know it wasn't enough damage to kill him, but he suddenly drops his spear and falls to his knees, and he just starts sobbing uncontrollably. And before you can do anything else, some of the militiamen run up and grab this guy, and they start to drag his sobbing, crying, limp body towards the gate to pull him into the town. Jake, what are you doing? Um, So you just saw Elric uh, rush out after this uh, maniac and take him down with his glaive. And then you see him being dragged, uh, the militia guy being dragged back into the town and Elric is standing out there and there are two bodies laying on the ground next to him bleeding out. Okay, so I'm going to leave these people. Um, I'm going to say, wait here and be back. Um, but not oh. in such a Germanic way. And I'm going to go rush over and uh, I want to check on these people to see if there's any way that I can help them. Okay. Cullen, what are you doing? I'm going to run over there with him and see if I can lend aid to the person who was shot with the crossbow bolt. Okay. Do you want to do a medicine check? Yeah. Are they still alive? They're unconscious. They're both oh, unconscious. So, so would, would I do a medicine check or would I have to uh, cure wounds? Ooh. Uh, well, cure wounds would definitely uh, save them. Okay. Would a medicine check possibly give them some? A medicine check uh, would stop them from dying. It would stabilize them. Gotcha. So I'm going to uh, perform cure wounds. On who are you tending to, Colin? The guy with the crossbow? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to help the person with the spear wound. Okay. Oops, I did it twice. Okay, that's right. Uh, we'll take the first roll, which was an 11. And that person with the spear wound, like, eyes just burst open. They're like, <gasps> and they're, uh, uh, they are now conscious. And Cullen, with your uh, medicine check of 19, um, you definitely uh, stop the wound from bleeding and you could, you have stabilized them. Jake, this man, I've stabilized the wound, but he's still on death's door. Could you help him with your blessings of Agma? Absolutely. And I will roll another cure wounds. That's a six plus three is a nine. Okay, so that person now opens their eyes and they're like, like Good. What happened? I, it's Agma is, Agma is, is blessing your, healing your wounds. Up with you, up, up. All right, so as you two are healing these refugees, the halfling, along with several militia guards, run up and they grab the wounded and begin to carry them towards the gate. And you guys hear Sherlyn yell out, let's go, get inside. And you see her 
waving you in as the gate begins to close. Are you guys gonna go in? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And back back to the couple. Do we have the pregnant lady with us? Yes, the yes. couple's in there. Okay. And the uh, two injured folk make it in there. And just as the gate is closing, Cullen and Jake come running in and the gates close. And Sherlin is standing there and she's completely frustrated and angry. And she's like, well, that was a complete disaster. You, you know, we help these people come back from the brink of death. They, they, they didn't need to be there, Sherlin. What is going on? Do you not have control over your own men? And Cullen, she looks at you like she's about to tell you to go screw yourself, but then she stops and says, I don't know what happened, yeah. but I'm going to find out. Guards, take this worthless soldier to my jail. Hey, Sherlin. She then turns her attention to you, Esmir, and's like, yes? Are you going to send the people that your guys shot somewhere where they can get fixed up? Or do we need to make a big stink about it? Because we could do it that way, too. Esmir. <laughs> Stop threatening the guards of the town. Hey, where we can't just shoot guys and be like, oopsie, I'm going to get well, to the bottom of this. I'm standing oh, yeah. right behind her with the stern look and both hands on my hilts. Okay. Are you trying to uh, persuade her or intimidate her? Um, I'll try and intimidate her because she's more worried about figuring out what her guy's doing. You're going to try to intimidate the guard of Daggerford, the head guard of Daggerford. Well, she obviously oh. doesn't know what she's doing. She's got crazy guys working for her. <laughs> the thing is, I've High got persuasion. persuasion. I could, well, uh... being a gnome, you're not very intimidating. But since Cullen is standing directly behind you, giving her the stink eye, I'll let you roll intimidation with advantage. Dummy. Hold on. I roll my eyes. All right. The high roll gives you a 17, which is more than enough. And she kind of lets out a sigh and says, yes, you're right. Guards, take the wounded to the militia infirmary and make sure they get the help they need. She then turns to you guys and says, I want to see you four in my office tomorrow. Curran, make sure they know how to get there. Then she storms off after the guards and leaves you guys there at the gate. And you turn your attention back to Curran and he's there next to the gate, lighting up a pipe. And he turns to you and says, well, that could have gone better. And my apologies for such an unwelcoming entrance to Daggerford. I would like to thank you for your help in that dreadful situation out there and for vouching for these poor people here. But please, allow me to introduce myself. I am Curran Corvalin. Oh, that's, that's right. Where's my manners? My name is Cullen McGregor. Damn it. <laughs> I am Elric Albion. Oh, I'm Jake. Yeah, I think it's fine. My name's Esmir. Pleasure to meet you. Mrs. Asilius. Oh. Obviously, we have my friend here is a gnome, so clearly es Esmir is not her whole name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just. I like to keep it simple. Well, for... We probably don't have time to hear her full name, do we? <laughs> <laughs> no. This lady might have her child by the time we're done hearing her name, her full name. Let's keep it short. 
and then I look at Esmir and just kind of smile and wink. <sighs> Have you folks visited Daggerford before? I know. Well, please, <laughs> allow me to be your guide for to thank you for all the help you've done today. It'd be my pleasure to show you all the things Daggerford has to offer that aren't uh, sharp crossbow bolts or spears in you. <laughs> okay, that'd be great. I like pointy okay, now things. you're funny. Now I like you. Well, we should go uh, arrange your accommodations at the River Shining Tavern and get our pregnant couple here a room. Our mother here-to-be looks like she could use some rest. Let's take them to the Shining River Tavern and put them up, and then we can explore the town. Good idea. Okay. So you guys make your way into Daggerford, and it is familiar to you, a typical walled city. And you make your way through a large open market. And this city is bustling with life. And you see that Curran was right. The city is packed beyond capacity. There are people everywhere. And he starts to lead you towards a large red-roofed building. Oh, can I ask him a question? Sure. Duh. Hey, Curran, uh, do you know my, our friend, Sir Istival? Oh, are you Obviously. here? Obviously. Are you here to see Sir Istival? We are? Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, everyone knows Sir Istival. He is a great man. A real man of the people, they say. And that's for sure. He has taken quite a interest in the uh, plight of the refugees, but unfortunately, Sir Istival is not in town. He has gone to Waterdeep with uh, Kelson Darktreader and the elf lord Darfin Flotion. Um, <laughs> they were planning uh, to like do that. some scouting along the way to learn more about the raids on the tradeway. Um, mm. But they should be back any day now. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Perhaps we can help him when he gets back. Hmm. Take care of that problem. Yeah. All right, so he, uh, Curran takes you to uh, probably, it looks like from what you've seen so far, the biggest uh, structure in town. It's a massive wooden structure, and it bears the nickname of the Delambier River, uh, which is the River Shining. And he also tells you that the River Shining Tavern is quite a hoity-toity place. It caters to those with money. Uh, visiting nobles, wealthy merchants, and local notables. And the prices are high, um, but the service and settings match. So even those not of the upper crust go there when they have something special to celebrate, like uh, weddings and stuff. And then I, as soon as we walk in, I roll my eyes. And I'm like, great, another stuffy castle. Exactly. It's got uh, plush tapestries and paintings and poofy, cushy furniture everywhere. And you walk up to the counter and there's the, uh, the concierge there. And he's like a well-dressed man with fine clothes and slicked back hair. And he watches you guys walk in and you can kind of notice that he rolls his eyes and he looks down his nose at you as you approach the counter. And he's like, I'm sorry, you must be lost. The lizard's gizzard is across the street. <laughs> you are mistaken. Wow, do we have to pay extra for the comedy? Hmm. <laughs> you are mistaken, we have money. And at that, uh, Curran walks up to the counter and he's like, I'll have you know, these people are here on business with Sir Istival, yeah. and they are looking for accommodations. 
And then the concierge kind of has to lean over the counter to see Curran down there. And he's like, ah, oh, Curran, uh, such a joy to see you. It's so rare you visit us here. And then he kind of looks up and sees the refugees. And he's like, more refugees under your wing, Curran? And then it seems like he notices that uh, she is pregnant and his eyes widen. He's like, oh, are she about to give birth? <laughs> are you a doctor now? I said, <laughs> listen, like sir, if I birth. may be so bold. Is this day going to be you're messy? Gonna <laughs> she's screaming. You're going to boil water if we ask you to and zip of the lip. <laughs> Here's the gold. Okay, doctor. Curran then interjects again and says, This couple here are guests of these fine people, and you will also find them accommodations. And he pulls out a coin purse and slams it up onto the counter. And here's some extra to keep them here until they are ready to leave. Thank you very much. And I would, and I insist, good sir, that you bring some uh, refreshments and victuals to the. Uh to the suite, for we are weary of the road. Yes, we're weary yes, of we it. would like room service, I believe they call it. Is that, take a is that fancy enough for you, buddy? Make sure the meat is well roasted and the vegetables are fresh. Oh, this is going to be a joy. <laughs> and Curran uh, says, well, how about I give you guys a tour of Daggerford and we go someplace, you know, less stuffy to eat? You mean, you mean okay. Um, okay, yeah, that works. I want a place with Faerun fries. Capital idea. I'm sure. Faerun fries. I'm sure the meat would have been tough and the vegetables wilted. All right, so you settle up with the River Shining Tavern and get your room squared away and you leave. And Curran says, well, the first thing we should do is get your horses to the stables, eh? Hey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey. Uh, oh, yeah. To, let's go to the stables then and stable As we're horse. walking to the stables, I'll, I'll say, so, Curran, tell us about yourself. What? How did you get here and why are you so popular? Well, I'm originally from Baldur's Gate, and uh, I live here now in Daggerford, and the reason I'm so popular is because I'm stinking rich. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll I suppose that explains it. why you worship a god of luck. Yes. Um, I actually uh, look after Fair Fortune Hall, which is a shrine to Timora that I'm having built right now. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not a priest of sorts. Uh, I don't have any, like, cleric powers or anything. But no matter. Timora has smiled on me, and I am devoting myself to her, and maybe one day she'll see feet fit to grant me the powers of a cleric. Does Timora... <laughs> takes a lot more advocate than luck. charity? You seem to be very sympathetic to the plight of the uh, refugees. Well, I figure... I've come upon this fortune that I should share it with others. How, how did you come upon it? Did you just find it on a dead body or <laughs> did, did somebody just give you it? 
Well, I kind of lucked into my money when a relative died, so technically, yeah, I'm sort of on a dead body. Um, <laughs> Do I think he's telling the truth? You can roll your insight. And then he continues, he's like, and then I won a bet. And then I had some investments come through. And then I found a chest of jewels that had someone had lost. All on the same day. Huh. Yeah. Lost a chest of jewels. Wow. A chest of jewels. Yep. All on the same you day. Just it just found a chest of jewels. Yep. And uh, because of like, all this luck I had, I decided to vote to devote myself to Tamora. And that's why I moved to Daggerford. Because you know what they say, money is harder to hold on to in Baldur's Gate. Hmm. I suppose I've heard that. Who says that? I don't know. They. And Esmir, with your uh, insight of a nine, you uh, you feel like you guess he's telling the truth. I'm like that is a nice shirt. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try my insight to see if there might be more to his story that he's not telling about his good fortunes. So with a seven, you kind of you have no idea if this guy's uh, telling the truth or not. It's always that friendly neighborhood guy with, you know, lots of luck that turns out to be like the bad guy. But anyway, we'll see. <laughs> okay. So Curran continues to give you a tour of Daggerford as you guys take care of business. And you make your way through the buildings and businesses and houses that are clustered tightly together with roads and alleyways snaking in between them. And Curran is happily taking you around and pointing out all the notable places and things. So you have no temple to Agma in this town? Who? <laughs> Who? Who? Yeah. You know, the god We're of... We're all like, okay, the, it's, it's cool, the man. God it's of, cool. The god of knowledge. The god of... of everything that is not luck. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, no, that's... Uh, no, there's no temple to... Uh, well, Agma? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. but I, I'd be happy to learn all about him. Well, I'd be happy to teach you. Okay. So you guys continue your tour, and Jake, you start to tell him all about Ogma. And uh, you start your uh, preachings and your sermons about him. And uh, just as you get to the good part, he kind of uh, cuts you off. Here it is. And you guys see that you've kind of made your way all the way around and back to where you started by the Southern Gate. The best tavern in Daggerford, the Lady Luck Tavern, named after Tamora and dedicated to those who take risks. Come on in. Okay. So you guys walk in and this place is hopping. It's filled with people drinking and having a good time. And you look around and see that this tavern is two floors. The first floor is the main tap room with a large bar and tables and chairs everywhere. And the second floor is a balcony area with additional seating that goes around the whole tavern. And you notice at the center of the Lady Luck stands a rough stone pillar that supports the roof and you see iron rungs that are set into the pillar, and it's so that people can climb up it. And they do this so that they can mark the pillar with symbols or messages. And you see on the pillar a sign that reads, to those who have fallen before us. 
and the rest of the tavern is decorated with shields and weapons and banners. And you also notice that the main floor is filled with gambling tables and people playing various games. They're rolling dice and playing cards and in general, trying to gain the favor of Lady Luck. And you follow behind Kern as he enters and it seems like everyone knows the halfling. They greet and toast him as he makes his way in. They're like, Curran, hey, Curran, hey. So Curran leads you through the packed tavern and to a table. And sitting at the table is two human men and a male half-elf. Uh, may we join you, boys? These are my new friends. There's um, Jake, who's a... Uh, what was what was your god's name again? <laughs> it is Agma. Yeah, Agma. That's it, Agma. <laughs> but apparently, he's not known around here. <laughs> I like I like you. And You're then fun. And then there's the the gnome, and all the people at the table have to like kind of lean over so that they can see you under the table, you know, because you're lower than the table, and they kind of wave yeah. to you. Yep, this is uh, uh, Esmir, and Excuse then... Excuse me. Excuse me. Yes? Curran? Yes? I don't really like being referred to as the gnome. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. Well, we don't get many gnomes around here. Okay, halfling. And then there is... Uh, the human. Uh, Elric. Hello, I am Elric. And... And uh, what was your name again? Colin McGregor. Colin McGregor, right. <laughs> and then Curran introduces you to the people at the table, and he points to one of the humans and says, Eric Tilverman. And then he points to the half-elf, Vashan Rocker. And then he points to the other human, and Ladoris. And Ladoris is dressed in military, like militia clothing. Hmm. And all three of them raise their drinks to you in greeting. Mm -hmm. Pleased to meet your acquaintance, folks. Yes. I'd like to buy. I'd like to buy a round for the the kids here. The ah, whole table. The whole the, table. Oh, all right. hey. Mm. All right. So a barmaid comes up, and uh, she uh, takes all your orders. What would you guys like? I would like a shot of sacred fireball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sacred fireball, and uh, for you guys, tall glass of mead. Mm, okay. Whatever your finest house ale is, and a mug of that. And for you, little lady, uh, I'll take a tiny glass of tiddlywink with a spritz of fizzlefazzle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll have to ask the bartender about that one. Okay. Would well, you like bartenders worth their salt or pepper or whatever know how to make it? So. Okay, sure. And she's like, "Would you like uh, me to bring a booster seat for you?" Uh, you know what? You you, you live off of tips, right? <laughs> And at that comment from the from the waitress, I'm gonna just shake my head. Is basically giving off the sign that you don't know who you're dealing with. 
<laughs> and she takes that sign and she walks off to the bar to get your drinks. And then she comes back in a little bit with your drinks and she hands them out to everybody and she says, well, the bartender did have some fizzle fazzle that he had to blow some dust off of, but here you go. Thanks. And then uh, Ladoris grabs his drink and he holds up his glass and he says, welcome to Daggerford, the refugee capital of Faerun. And to new friends, and to those who have fallen before us. And then practically the entire bar, uh, the tavern just chimes in after that. To those that have fallen before us, and they all join in on the toast. You're here. All right. I down my sacred fireball and order one more. <laughs> okay, Jake, slow down. Well, I'm good. It's sacred. Sacred, so you can have a whole bunch of them. You can never have too many. Oh, yeah, you can. Can I ask the army guy? Hey, buddy. How's your drink? Excellent. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. We met your boss the other, earlier today. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Sherlin. 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 Must be joking. Mm-hmm. Uh, she seems like a fun boss. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> what happened to your buddy today? He seemed a little... Out of <laughs> Mr. Shooty Pants. Did you hear about that? I did hear about it. It's the talk of the town, especially among the militia. Um, Where is he? Uh, he's in the jail cell. Ooh. Did you, didn't you think that the guard seemed suspicious with the crying and whatnot? Yes, that was quite odd. The militia are well trained here and Sherlin is quite a capable commander. Strange that one of her men would lose their composure like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe he was bewitched. Mm-hmm. Well, after that comment, Cullen, everyone kind of looks at you strangely. And then Leoric says, well, I don't know about that, but I do know that Sherlin will get to the bottom of it. And I also know that that soldier has a long career of peeling potatoes and cleaning latrines ahead of him. And then it gets... Uh, kind of quiet at the table, and after a while, Curran breaks the silence and asks Edic, so how's fishing? How's life on the river? And Edic says, well, fishing's fine, but life on the river is dead. There's no traffic coming from the east. Yes. That is something else that I noticed on our way in. How come there is no traffic along the Delambeer? Well, he tells you that he doesn't know why. But uh, to him, it seems to have stopped not too long ago. And he tells you that his wife, Yalvi, says that Balak the tailor uh, at the Decorated Man has been looking for a shipment of cloth from Jolkin for about a 10 day or more. Jolkin? Hmm. Where's Jolkin? Well, they tell you that Jolkin is a rural community downriver. Huh. And you get the idea that uh, compared to Daggerford, it's just a little podunk town but the village is home to great weavers that produce fine cloth, and they ship it abroad to Daggerford and even to Waterdeep and Baldur's Gate. It looks to me like Daggerford's getting shipments from absolutely nowhere right now. There was nothing on that river. Trade has kind of come to a halt, and you, you know, you think the Duke would be doing something about it. It's kind of like our bread and butter here, but he's not doing anything. All he cares about is his stupid dwarf rock. 
Um, can you tell me a little bit about this stolen object from the Duke? The blue. What is that all about? Yes. You mentioned it at the gate. Is the reason why the Duke had such a problem with refugees. Yes, yes. Well, the Duke is up in arms because a few days ago, someone stole something called the Delambier Bloke, which is an ancestral relic in the Ducal's collection. You see, um, the Duke has a very large collection of things, but he's all but closed Daggerford until it's found. What exactly is this Delambier? What? Uh, I'm sorry, the what bloke? The Delambier bloke. It's the a Delambier bloke. Yes, it's a block of shining quartzite. Uh, <laughs> it's about the size of a brick, and it's carved in the likeness of a bearded face. So yeah, it's basically just like a rock, and he's really upset about it. I wish I could tell you more, but that's really all I know about it. I didn't even know it existed until a couple days ago. Then Ladorus says, And let's not forget the real problem plaguing Daggerford, the refugees, and the raiding that's causing them to seek refuge here in the first place. While the Duke plays hide-and-seek with a rock, more and more people arrive at our doorstep. Then Vashan chimes in, I've heard that it's orcs, and that they're gathering at Harpshield Castle deep in the Ardeep Forest. And everyone at the table is kind of like, you're drunk. <laughs> and then everyone's like, rolls their eyes at the table. Including and, me, because uh, everybody blames Arts for everything. <laughs> and Curran even at, uh, says, Harpshield <laughs> Castle, that's just a pile of rubble taken over by the Ardeep Forest. No one's been there for centuries. Mm. Well, Vashan kind of shrugs, and uh, he's looking a little tipsy, and he takes another uh, sip of his drink, and he's like, well, Falarian Filvadorsen is best as he's been there, and he's got a map. Falarian Filvadorsen. You okay, buddy? I'm sorry. I'm I'm wiping my eyes. I spit my eyes. He says he's been there says it's got a treasure vault from the times of the kingdom of man even says he has a map and then everyone else kind of chimes in the table and they're like that drunken fool he just sells that map to clueless adventurers that have had too much to drink like you well, he's like okay that's how you see it i'm just saying it's orcs or it might be orcs. orcs. Might be from the castle. Where's this guy at? Go talk to this the guy. The guy who sells the map, the map to suckers. He's right over there at that table. And he points to a table and you see a guy and a whole bunch of guys. And they're all around a table rolling dice and hooping and hollering and having a good time. Mm -hmm. Even if there's a chance that it's true, perhaps one could find some fortune I will speak to this man. And the guys at the table look at Kura and they're like, oh, looks like you found some suckers. <laughs> All right, so Colin, you head over there. Uh, what about the rest of you? What are you guys doing? I'll walk and over. And I'm going to elbow Elric and say, come along. All right, I come along with them. <laughs> Esmir, what are you doing? Are you going to go over there too? I would like to 
scan the bar and see if I see anybody watching us. Okay. Go ahead and roll perception. Mm, you rolled a one, so you don't see anything. The The place is so crowded and you're so lost in the crowd and you can't see over the regular tables and chairs and you're kind of lost in a sea of people. Okay, so you guys walk up to this table uh, where Falarian Phil Vendorsen is and he's there with uh, about a half a dozen other guys and they're rolling dice on this table and hooping and hollering and they look uh, pretty toasted, like they've had quite a bit to drink already. Hello, fine sirs. And he was shaking some dice in his hand and just about to let him go when you came up. Can't you see I'm rolling some dice here? It's rude to interrupt someone when they're just about to see what Lady Luck has to say. Go ahead, I'm rooting for you. Roll away. He rolls the dice and everyone's like, ooh, or ah, or whatever. Yes, you should have had a D20. (laughs) But I digress. I'd like to uh, introduce ourselves. I'm Jake, and these are my companions. Elric, Cullen, and down here is Esmir. We heard that you uh, dabble in in cartography. (laughs) Well, we heard you sold a... Uh, you would sell a map uh, for uh, the Harp Shield Castle. Well, I may have such a map that may be of interest to some brave and adventurous types, so let me know when they arrive. And all the guys at the table start laughing. <laughs> I like this guy. Okay. I'll tell you what, buddy. You know what? I'm going to buy you a drink. Hey, I'm going to buy hey. you a drink. Because I like you. Ah, now we're talking. Who said that? (laughs) That was me. Where? (laughs) Down, buddy. Oh. Oh. He looks down. Hey, look, everyone. A little person. Don't say. Are you old enough to be in a tavern? I'm old enough to buy you a drink and not kick your ass. Well, that's great. That's good enough for me. I'll take another ale. All right. Hey, nice waitress lady. Get this guy an ale. And All fill right. it up to so the top. The waitress goes off for more drinks and Falarian uh, says to you guys, Okay, so let's say I do have a treasure map and you want said map. I propose we let Lady Luck decide whether you should have it, huh? What do you think, huh? If Lady Luck deems you worthy, you can have the map. If not, then you buy me and my friends here a round of drinks. And everyone at the dice table gets very excited by that prospect. (laughs) So you want to roll dice for it? Sure, yeah. You got it, my friend. Let's roll some dice. You ever played the game called Threes? Three E's? Threes. Threes, like the number three. Hmm? No, no, I have not. Well, that's what we're going to play. And here's how you play it. We're going to roll D6s. And the face values on the sides of the die are what they are, except for threes. Mm. Threes are worth zero. 
No. And we're gonna take turns rolling five D6s. And whoever has the lowest score at the end of the rolls wins. Ready? Absolutely. Yeah, you ready for Lady Luck to that decide works for me. whether you are worthy <laughs> or lucky enough to have such an important map? Yes, but what I would like to do is I want to use my thaumaturgy to roll five threes. How? How can you do that? How can you do that? Explain to me how you will do that, because I would really like to know. Well, if I can make, if I can douse flames, if I can make ground tremble, certainly I can make a dice flip to a three. Mm. I think it would look like cheating and we'd probably be, you know, in trouble, considering that we're in. I'll roll four ones and a three. Nope, where's no. it? La- you don't want to piss Lady Luck off. You don't want to oh, cheat. Lady this, this place okay. is called Lady Luck. All right. Okay. Come on there, Slurry. All right. I'll go first since it's my map. Oh, he rolls a five, and everyone at the table cringes. They're like, come on, Falarian. Okay, Jake, you roll. A six. Not the best start. Lady Luck isn't smiling on either of us. And Falarian's, he's feeling good and he blows on his dice and he throws them. Oh, a three. And everyone at the table gets excited. And he says, looks like Lady Luck is making her decision, old man. Come on, Agma, do your thing. Come on, Jake. A three. Oh, oh, no. uh, uh, oh three, nice. Three. Nice. Oh, perhaps she's still deciding. All right, so the score is Falarian five, Jake six. Come on, Slurry. Roll. Falarian kisses his dice and he rolls a five. Damn. Okay, Jake. A two. Nice. Neck and neck. Where are we at now? So it's Falarian 10, Jake 8. Lady Luck is keeping it close. Two more rolls. Falarian says, Come on, Lady Luck. You know I love you. (gasps) Another three. Oh, no, Jake. Uh Oh, not looking good for you, cleric. Oh, Oh, two threes. Lady Luck is toying with (laughs) you. All right, so the score is Falarian 10, Jake 8. So you're winning. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Last roll. Ooh, a four. All right, Jake, you just need a five or lower. A six! It's a tie. Oh. oh man! <laughs> okay, it's a tie. Lady Luck could not decide. I guess the map stays with me, says Falarian. I get all flustered and I say, "Fool's game." <laughs> what? I like it. I think this is fun. It's oh. not a fool's game. It's called threes, and it's Lady oh. Luck's decision. It's a game for fools. We just want a map. Can my can my friend here have a shot? Uh, he thinks about it for a second. He's like, sure, I'm getting thirsty. Elric. All right. Give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. 
All right, Saluri, roll away. Ah, a two. Good start. All right, young man. Let's see what Lady Luck has in store for you. Ooh, three. Ooh, Good start. a three. Nice start. Two to zero. She is smiling on you. Ah, beginner's luck. Come on, show Falarian some love. Ah, a six. Oh, yes. The worm is turning. She is fickle today. Come on, let's see what else you got. Mmm, a two. Yes, yes. Nice roll, boy. Okay, so that's Falarian eight, Elric two. That's okay. Anything can happen. Come on, may the gates of the moon smile upon me. Mm, a four. Will she continue to smile on this young man? Three. Ah, one. That'll work. Same she will. So that's Falarian twelve, Elric three. Not bad. Okay, Tamora. You know my devotion. Let's go. Aha! A one. Oh. She smiles upon her followers. Oh, now it's like a dead tie. Six for you. She toys with us. All right, come on, Tamora. Give me a sign. Ah, another one. Yes. Okay, so that's Falarian 14, Elric 9. Last roll. Got a low roll lower than a five. What will Lady Luck decide? Three. 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 Yeah! Ah, three. (laughs) 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 All right. Okay, 14 to nine. Damn your drink, fool. So you win, you young whippersnapper. Yes, that's me. (laughs) Lady Luck has spoken. I guess you get the map. Okay, yes. Excellent. Thank you. And he pulls out of his his jacket like this really like wrinkly stained piece of paper that looks like it's been in there for years. And he like pulls it out. He's like, here you go. And may this map and Lady Luck show you good fortune. Good work, Elric. I pat him on the back. Let's go. Give these brigands to their swill. All right, so as you guys come back to the table and every, you're showing uh, your new friends, Ladoris and Vasan and Edic, hey, we got the map. They're laughing oh, at us. They're like, well, <laughs> I'm sure that map will get you lost. Be careful. <laughs> so as you guys are checking out this map, Kern interrupts you and turns your attention to a dwarf entering the tavern and sitting at the bar. And you know right away that this is no run-of-the-mill dwarf. He has bushy brown hair uh, with a trimmed beard, and he has a gold loop earring hanging from one ear. And his armor is like nothing you guys have ever seen before. It's elaborately crafted studded dragon leather with green and gold accents and several green gems set into it. And he carries a dwarven great axe that matches his outfit. This is one like badass looking dwarf. And as you're staring at him, Curran whispers to you guys, that's Jack Ironfist. He's a former member of Sir Istival's last adventuring group, the Company of the Sunlit Sea. Okay, cool. He's actually staying at Sir Istival's house right now. 
And since you were asking about the bloke, I hear Jack has taken quite an interest in it. And I know that he's preparing to leave town tomorrow morning. Huh. Okay. All right. Let's take this opportunity to talk to him before he leaves. Okay. Yes, let's do that. So I would like to approach the table. I'm going to go to the bar and get a drink and bring it over to him. But I'm going to ask the bartender what he likes to drink. Because I'm sure the bartender knows. Okay. And I'm going to bring him one of those. Okay, so the bartender pours you a tall mug of strong dwarven ale, and you guys uh, come up to him there at the bar. And Would I you mind say, if we joined you? I, I brought you your favorite drink. Oh, well, a- if you brought me my favorite drink, then yeah, sit down. <laughs> I'm always willing to talk with people, especially if they're buying the beer. Right. Erlen told us that you are friends with Sir Istival. Oh, for sure. Me and Sir Istival go way back. We've traveled and fought many yeah. years together. We're meant to meet up with him here in Daggerford, but he's out of town right now. Yes. Do you know why? I mean, do you... And my understanding is, is that you're watching his place for him. Can you enlighten us as to when he might be returning? Well, uh, according to what he told me, he was going to Waterdeep and then heading back and doing some scouting along the way. So, given that timetable, he should be back within a 10-day or so. Okay. Or sooner. Okay, cool. Excellent. Uh, And also, I couldn't help but notice that rumors are flying about this uh, bloke that's been lost by the Duke. Can you tell us anything about that? Being as that you're a dwarf and it's an artifact of dwarven kind? And at the mention of that, he kind of squints his eyes and gives you guys the once over, the up and down, and he's like, did the Duke send you to talk to me? No, I swear on my father's name that he did not. Oh, you guys can tell this guy's got some pretty high insight, and he leans back in his chair and kind of looks you over, and he's like, nods his head. He's like, uh, he can trust you. Yes, I've been interested in the bloke ever since I first laid eyes on it when I toured the Ducal Castle with Sir Istival. Does it have any magical properties? Well, none that I know of, but I suspect it's some sort of dwarven religious icon. Or a key of some sort. Hmm. You're quite astute there, gnome. She's the smart one. And he says, yes, I tried to borrow the bloke from the Duke and even offered to buy it for a considerable sum. But he refused. Hmm. But he wouldn't part with it, saying it was part of his family's collection, blah, blah, blah. So I convinced him to allow me to commission a copy of it. And he allowed me to do it. So I had a copy made, and then a few days later, the original went missing. And of course, the Duke thought I stole it. He questioned me. He even searched Sir Istival's house where I'm staying, which really pissed me off because Sir Istival's not even here. And you're a fine, upstanding... Yeah. uh, brave warrior warrior who doesn't need to steal 
an artifact. That's right. You know how much money I've got after adventuring around with Sir Istival for all those years? I'm filthy rich. But no, he wouldn't take any money for it. It belongs with the dwarf anyway. Yeah, yeah what, what I keep thinking is how did he even come by such an artifact? Oh, one of his ancestors found it centuries ago. It's been sitting around collecting dust in his collection ever since. So you're Why saying he that so he... so much about it going missing if it's just one of many artifacts he owns? Because he likes his things. He's one of those kind of men. He likes his possessions. They mm. show his stature or whatever it means. So you're saying that he allowed you to have a copy made of it? Yes, I, I hired a sculptor that's working on the Morning Glow Tower there uh, for Luke Sunbright, and he made me a plaster replica. So did he allow you to remove it from the castle to bring it to the place, or did the guy, um, the Sunbright guy, have to make it within the castle? Oh, he wouldn't let us, he wouldn't let it leave his sight, so yes, we made it in the castle. The sculptor's name was Alvin Gissen. Alvin Gissen. Alvin Gissen. Okay. Where can he be found? I'd be curious to see if he knows anything about what might have happened to the bloke. Well, like I said, he works on the Morning Glow Tower there. Hmm. So you probably find him there tomorrow, working and fixing the tower up for Luke Sunbright. And where are you off to? Well, ever since I've retired from adventuring, I've spent some time trying to find my ancestral roots, and I've recently discovered that Iron Fist was not just my father's nickname, but the name of a dwarf clan. And I've also discovered that they once put down roots here in the Delambir Vale. So I'm going to go to Firehammer Hold and hopefully find some answers. And I'm going to take this copy of the bloke with me, and hopefully the dwarf priest there will have some answers about that, too. Okay. Uh, are, you coming, are you coming back here? Oh, for sure. I hope to be back in no more than two ten days. Two ten days. So about 20 days. I would, I would love to know what you find out. So would I. I would, I would love to know what you find out. Well, if you're still here, I'll tell you all about it. Okay, excellent. Alrighty then. And then he finishes his drink and says, Well, speaking of which, I've leaving early tomorrow morning, so I'd better turn in and get my rest. Thanks for the ale, and I hope to see you when I return. At some point, I'm going to go to the bar, and I'm going to ask the bartender for a piece of charcoal or something so I can write something on the pole. Okay. And what are you going to, so yeah, they've, they've got uh, all that kind of stuff sitting there around the pole, actually, where you could just grab something and do that. Yeah. Sharpies, crayons, chalk. So what are you going to do? What are you going to write up there? I am not going to tell anybody what I'm going to write up there. Okay. Okay, I'm going to take the chalk. I'm going to climb up to the top of the pole. And I'm going to write something on the top of the pole. And then I'm going to say... To all our new friends and to the adventures ahead for our dwarf friends and for all the fun kids here at the bar, let us have a toast 
and let us all raise a glass to those that have fallen before us. And then the whole tavern cheers along with you. Yay, cheers. And then you hear someone yell out, hey, who let their kid climb up there? (laughs) Hey. After a long journey and trouble at the gate, we leave our heroes whooping it up at the tavern with Lady Luck on their side, a drink in their hand, and opportunities for adventure abound. But will their luck run out as a new day dawns on the troubled city of Daggerford? What will our heroes do as they wait for Sir Estival to return? Follow a wrinkled map from a dubious source? probe deeper into the Duke's bloke? Or will they just hang around drinking and rolling dice? Wait, who would do that for fun? Well, who knows? Tune in next week to find out on Roll Radio! Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Roll Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Lots of exposition in this one, lots of storylines and quests for the players to explore. And you should explore RollRadio.com to find out more about the show, like where to find us on social media, how to support the show. You'll also find a link to Andrew Capone, who composed and produced the music that plays at the beginning and end of the show. All the in-game music and sound effects, like that weird guy singing in the streets of Daggerford, come from Sirenscape.com. Little things like that will bring your RPG to life. We are playing Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition and the Scourge of the Sword Coast module, which are all properties of Wizards of the Coast. Check them out at dnd.wizards.com. Again, Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time when our players explore the city and harass its inhabitants. Gotta work on my accents.